You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. School of the Prophets, the First Oath and Covenant. Of the priesthood. All those who enter into the school of the prophets or the Relief Society shall have taken the oath and covenant of the priesthood upon them, which oath is done by raising both hands to the square and saying, O Father, unto thee I pledge my oath. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I will do all in my power to bring thy kingdom upon the earth. I covenant with thee that I will take thee as my law, and I will obey thy revelations unto me whether they be revelations given to me or to another, but which are confirmed to me, it is the same. I know that ye cannot fail, 
and that I must obey the law upon which any blessing is predicated to get the good of that blessing. Even so. Amen. Brothers and sisters, welcome to the school of the sons and daughters of the gods, even the school of, of magi and of prophets and of seers, and of, of priests and priestesses, kings and queens. I am the teacher that hath been appointed for this school, and I am standing in my place at the head of the circle, for there shall be established a circle with a triangle in the middle. The teacher and priest at the head of the circle is Elijah. The king upon the right side is called Messiah, and the magi upon the left is called Elias. You have come unto the house of the Lord to receive your second endowment in the school of the prophets and in the Relief Society. The mysteries of God shall be revealed unto you in the bonds of brotherhood, sisterhood, charity, and love. All the rooms which ye shall meet in for the school of the prophets from this day forth shall be dedicated as a temple unto the living God, which is his house, even a house of prayer, a house of fasting, a house of faith, a house of learning, a house of glory, a house of order, a house of God. Wherefore, if ye will obey the order of this house, ye will speak in turn, walk in turn, and let the love and charity that ye have one for another grow as ye perform these binding ordinances, for the order of the ordinances in this house alone will expand the love ye have for one another. Dedicatory Prayer The dedicatory prayer is a prayer of dedication by the inspiration of the Spirit, dedicating it as a school and temple of God. Inviting God into the house or dedicated room. Also take a white handkerchief and waving them say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to God and the Lamb. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to God and the Lamb. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to God and the Lamb. Amen, Amen, and Amen. Now all those who wish to accept the obligations and blessings of the endowment, please raise your hands. Very well. Washing of Feet the holy priest of the holder washing the feet shall invite the patron to sit down and place a basin of water in front of him to put his feet in. The holy priest of the holder will then take off his garments and set them nearby and gird himself with a long towel like a temple robe over one shoulder. He will then kneel down and begin the washing of the feet, saying, Brother, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son of God, I wash your feet preparatory to receiving your second anointing in the house of the Lord, that you may rule and reign in the house of Israel, or Adam, forever. And at this time wash you clean, every whit, that you are now clean from the blood and sins of this generation. I wash you clean of the blood and sins of this generation, and again I wash you clean of the blood and sins of this generation, that you may be called up and come forth in the morning of the first resurrection, and be clean without spot at the judgment bar of God, for you have done your part to warn the people of this generation, ridding your garments of their blood. Wherefore I declare by the authority of the holy priesthood that you are clean and that your sins are forgiven if ye have repented. And I do this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This does not need to be the exact wording, but it, this is an example of the washing of feet. Salute. Now behold, mine son, after this has been done, ye shall be accepted into the school by raising both hands high in the salute, and the priest and the priest shall also raise his hands high in the salute, and the priest shall say, Art thou a brother of brethren? 
I salute you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant, in which covenant I receive you to fellowship in a, in a determination that is fixed, immovable, and unchangeable, to be your friend and brother, through the grace of God in the bonds of love, to walk in all the commandments of God, blameless, in thanksgiving, forever and ever. Amen. And he that is found unworthy of this salutation shall not have place among you. For ye shall not suffer that mine house shall be polluted by him. And he that cometh in and is faithful before me, and is a brother, or if they be brethren, they shall salute the president or teacher with uplifted hands to heaven with this same prayer and covenant, or by saying, Amen, in token of the same. For behold, these words I gave to Joseph Smith, and they have not been abrogated. This shall be done in every session of the School of the Prophets and the Relief Society. Healing and Blessing Sisters are to give each other blessings of healing and comfort by the laying on of hands in the Relief Society. Brethren are to do the same when they are moved upon to do so. Brethren and sisters may also bless and dedicate handkerchiefs to assist in the healing of the sick, as well as blessing and dedicating other objects for purposes of power in the priesthood. Objects which are for protection and not for healing should be blessed with a rod or wand. Being Married to Christ Do you have faith that Jesus is the Christ? Yes. Then confess his name and covenant to never deny him as a testimony to the world. The Initiate's Own Words Then, thus saith the Lord to my messenger, Verily, verily, I say unto you, my son, I give unto you a commandment, declaring unto you that they who receive you receive me, and if they receive me, they receive him that sent you, to salute them with my salutation in remembrance of my everlasting covenant, which I have received you to fellowship. May they receive you also as you receive them, that they may be clean from the blood of this generation, and be received by the washing of the feet. For unto this end was the ordinance of washing of feet instituted, being bound together in the bonds of brotherly love, and sealed together by the covenant of life and peace, which covenant abideth forever with the celestial saints, or in other words, the married uh, to Christ. And he that continueth not in this covenant shall not have place among you, for ye shall not suffer my house to be polluted by them, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. All those in the school shall then either wash one another's feet, or give the holy kiss in token of the same. And they shall say to one another, Do you receive me to be your friend and brother? Are you willing to salute me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in token and or remembrance of the everlasting covenant, in which you receive me to fellowship, in a determination that is fixed, immutable, and unchangeable, to be your friend and brother, through the grace of God in the bonds of love, to walk in their commandments of God, blameless and thanksgiving forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Are you willing to show to the world that you are clean from the blood of this generation? Do you covenant with me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the presence of these witnesses, that you will love your companions in life as Christ loved the church, that you will cherish each other, comfort each other, forsaking all others who are not in the holy order, so long as you live? Yes. Having authority, I seal thee, brother, unto the anointed gods, even Christ, both male and female, and seal thee unto myself, as mine own son in the first household of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Now men may be sealed to their wives in the second sealing, by taking them by the hand, and saying, Art thou my sister? 
I salute you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant, in which I covenant to receive you to fellowship in a determination which is fixed and movable and unchangeable to be your friend and brother, through the grace of God, in the bonds of love, to walk in all the commandments of God, blameless and thanksgiving, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Behold, sisters, may also make the covenant and say, Amen, in token of the same. Also to the unmarried, I, the Lord, willeth that you should, be, you should marry in, in the order, that I may have a pure people, saith the Lord. All who have covenanted to only marry within the holy order say, Amen. Amen. This order shall not be broken by any until they themselves stand in the garden of paradise, ready to fall, lest they be destroyed. Amen. Amen. Covenant to enter into a united order. The patron receiving it will put his arm to the square and repeat after he who is administering the covenant, saying, I, brother, so-and-so, do covenant and promise before God, angels, and these brethren in the united order, that I will consecrate all my mind, strength, and wealth unto this united order, and that I will hold all things in common with my brethren according to my stewardship, and I do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Baptism into the United Order After dedicating the water and going into the water as described above, you hold on to the one being baptized and raising your right arm to the square, you say, Brother, by the authority of the Melchizedek Priesthood, which I hold, I baptize you into the Order of Enoch, which is the United Order before God, and I say this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You then immerse them in the water and then undedicate the water. The Meal of the Prophets The members of the school and or relief society shall sit at a table. A glass of wine and a small stack of flatbread shall be provided for each member. A blessing shall be given. O Father, which art in heaven, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son, we bless this bread to all the souls which shall partake of it, that they may do it in fellowship and brotherhood, being knit in one through the love of Christ, which is charity. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. O Father, which art in heaven, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son, we bless this wine to the souls which shall drink of it, that they may do it in the Spirit, worshiping thee and their mother in spirit and in truth, being knit in one through charity, the greatest of all. For we know that if we are not one, then we are not yours. Even so, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. The Washing of with Alcohol when only men are present, then there can be a washing with a cloth and alcohol. Brother, having authority, I wash your body clean, that it may be healthy, strong, and full of virtue and power. I wash your sins away with charity, making your garments white, even making thee clean every whit of the blood and sins of this generation. I do this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The Provisional Anointing Brother, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I pour this holy consecrated oil upon thy head, and give unto thee, unto you a holy anointing. I anoint and ordain thee a king and a priest of the Most High God, to rule and reign in the house of Israel forever. Predicated upon this anointing being sealed, I give thee power to bind on earth, and have it bound in heaven. And whomsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And whomsoever thou shalt curse shall be cursed, and whomsoever thou shalt bless shall be blessed. But remember that these things must be done in accordance with those things which have been done before the foundations of the world. I bless thee that ye shall come forth in the first and holy resurrection, and I even ordain you to be one of the sons' amen. 
I bless thy head and mind that you may receive revelations in carrying on the work. I bless thy eyes that ye may see visions and the eternal worlds. I bless thy nose that ye may smell the sweet smells of the eternal worlds. I bless thy mouth that ye may speak truth. I give thee this holy anointing in the name of Elohim and in the name of Jehovah and in the name of the Godhead of this earth, even Michael, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, who presides over the spirits of just men and women made perfect. Amen. Patriarchal Blessing Brother, by the authority of the patriarchal priesthood and in the and the priesthood after the order of the Son, I lay my hands upon your head and give you a patriarchal blessing in the school of the prophets. Then you shall give the blessing by the Spirit, and do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Council of the Prophets The keys of the holy kiss shall be given. The first or ironic sign of the holy kiss is made by embracing and kissing the right cheek, and then the left, and then the right again, and saying, Peace be upon you. The second or Melchizedek sign of the holy kiss is made by embracing and kissing the right cheek, and then the left cheek, and then the forehead, and saying, Peace be upon you. The third or patriarchal sign of the holy kiss is to kiss upon the lips, and saying, God be with you. The first holy kiss is for brethren and sisters in the priesthood and siblings. The second holy kiss is for parent and child in the priesthood or familial bonds. The third holy kiss is for eternal mates or fellow eternal members of the holy order of the opposite gender that you love or are attracted to and feel close enough to, sufficient to merit this kiss. If the motion of this kiss, holy kiss is not reciprocated, then continue with the first in all charity and love. Let all receive it. Let all who are present give the appropriate holy kiss to those sitting upon their right hand and upon their left, and saying unto them, Peace be upon you, or God be with you, or Shalom in token of the same. That will do. Now the members of the holy, the school of, or the least society shall return to the circle and a rod presented. Brethren and sisters, this rod is the rod of the word of God, and whoever shall hold the rod hath the right to speak, and all others must be silent until the possessor of the rod hath finished speaking. If you desire to speak, you should put your right foot forward until he who possesses the rod shall give thee the rod. Now if he shall continue to speak long enough after that, that it seemeth he is ignoring a brother or a sister, or a mother or a father, or a son or a daughter in the Lord, then all shall put their feet out also. He shall then repent himself of speaking and give the rod away. The rod is the word of and law of God, and that which is confirmed by the members, having felt the Spirit, shall be considered scripture. Members shall confirm a saying by raising both hands above their head and repeating it, and then saying Amen, after it hath been proposed for a vote. Behold, brethren, now that we are one, let the mysteries be opened up unto us. All right, welcome to the program. Today is the 24th day of May 2021. I don't know where my wife is. She just said that she would, uh, she'll call right back in. I'm going to get off this line. We'll be back in just a moment. Okay, had a problem getting back onto the line. I don't know what happened to my wife. I told her that she had three minutes, and that was like 10, 15 minutes ago. So 
Anyway, like I said, today is the 24th day of May 2021. Oh, there she is. Kim, are you uh, there? Are you muted? Hello? I'm muted, and I've got Arius throwing a fit. He's really upset. I think he hit his lip because it's a little swollen. Oh, I think he did right before I walked in the door and it's all swollen and I'm trying to get him a cuppy and get him happy for a second. I'm sorry. I'm like not doing a good job tonight. It's fine. I'll talk for a little bit. So uh, today was interesting. Um, I had testing for my kindergartner today and then I got home and I repaired some fences and strung some barbed wire because my goats figured out how to get under another place in the fence because they've got horns and they like to push on fence. (laughs) Anyway, um, and then my uh, junior high school student had a a concert tonight. She plays the uh, the flute, so that's why my wife was having a hard time getting on. And uh, I was in a bad spot as well. Uh, when I when the show started, I was going into a bad spot going up towards the mine, and then I was able to get the uh, you know the audio started, and then I knew that I was going to be in a bad spot, so I played a clip that's about 15 minutes from the second endowment. And uh, and then that finished, and I was going back into the bad area. So now I'm not in the greatest of areas, but I do have a cell phone booster, and hopefully it's working. Um, so we're going to be reading Chapter 16, the conclusion of Holy Priesthood, Volume 4 tonight. And yeah, it sounds going good. The... You're, not, you're not breaking up or anything. It sounds good. Oh, good. Okay. Um We'll probably have to split this up into into two or three parts. And I'm not exactly sure where to split it up, so I'm going to let my wife figure out where to split it up. And uh, but I posted the whole chapter at uh, Facebook.com forward slash LAZURUS1977. That's my Facebook page. And uh, I'll uh, I'll just have to figure it out tomorrow when we figure out where part two is. And uh, it's some good stuff. I'm actually excited to uh, have Kim read it to us tonight. And uh, and then when we're done with this uh, last chapter of Volume 4, we'll be getting into Volume 5 of Holy Priesthood. So pretty happy about that. So uh, I was delivering over to a place owned by the Kingston clan. And uh, there are a bunch of fundamentalists that are in this area, but they're huge. They've got different things all over the place, you know. And so when I got out of the truck, two of them were standing there at the Grizz, and I said, hey, you guys Kingston's or what? He says, no, not us. And, like, I was thinking, baloney. Anyway, I was like, well, I'm an independent myself. I said, you know who Ogden Crowd is? He, oh, yeah, I got, a, I got a bunch of his books. I said, well... I read them on an online radio show slash podcast. Uh, try to read, you know, read for an hour 
hour and a half every night onto that platform. He's, oh, what's your website? So I told him. He says, oh, that's a long website. Because I told him blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon, which, by the way, there is a chat room available at that place for people to go and, um, you know, to go and uh, and any questions or comments or just chatting amongst yourselves or whatever. Uh, that's there and available at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. Um, anyway, he said, well, that's a long website. And I said, well, do you have iTunes or an iPhone? He said, no. And I didn't want to explain how to get onto uh, podcasts on Android, but I'll tell you, but it was just not enough time for me to talk to him. Anyway, if you're on an Android or you have an Android, go to your Google Play Store and download uh, Podcast Republic or Podcast Addict, and uh, you can find us, uh, this radio program slash podcast, on both of those platforms. And I know there's a bunch of other places you can find us, too, but I don't know where they're at. I just I know about iTunes and uh, Podcast Addict, Podcast Republic. We're not on Spotify. There's some other ones we're not on, but whatever. Anyway, so um, I said, well, just Google Fundamentally Mormon. You'll find my stuff. So anyway, we talked for a minute more, and I got done dumping. And uh, he's like, you ought to call, call us and, like, come on over. And, and uh, well, if he listens... Uh, if you'll email me at godismycompass at gmail dot com, uh, I'll get back in touch with you. And that, by the way, is my email address. I do not go on there very often, but uh, every once in a while, I'll, I'll spend an hour and just go through everything and look at everything and see if anybody's trying to contact me uh, through that platform. So, anyway, um, Kim, are you there? Oh, I guess I could talk about what we did yep. this weekend. Oh, yeah, so go ahead and do that. It was a Book of Mormon Hebrew, uh, Hebrew conference, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, up in Lehigh. So we went to that, and on Sunday it was Shavuot, or Pentecost, which is the 50th day after the beginning of Unleavened Bread, I think. Anyway, so we went to the, the Shavuot Seder with our friends at the Zarahemla Foundation, and I got to see a bunch of people that I haven't seen in probably about six months to a year or longer. And these are my friends, and I love talking to them. It's just that we're, we don't live all together, and we don't get together hardly ever because, you know, we're all so busy doing all of our stuff. But it was nice to be able to see all my friends. And uh, there was plenty of friends that weren't there, but there was plenty of friends that were there, and it was a good a good time. Really enjoyed their company. So, all right, Kim, um, if you want to dedicate and then uh, begin the reading, I will mute myself. Is that something that you're able to do right now? Yeah, um, I still have him here with me, and he's gonna sit with mommy while I read. So we'll see how this goes. Okay. <laughs> okay, and then if uh, if Olivia needs to come in and grab him, then she can do that. Yeah, yeah. 
So, okay, and I'm sorry, I was a little bit distracted because I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to want me to call in or talk, and then I was trying to figure out my phone. So um, you were saying to dedicate and then read? Yes, dedicate and then educate. How about if you do the dedication since I'm going to be doing a lot of reading? Oh, okay, I can do that. I think I've got some good service area here in front of me for a minute. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We come to thee this day, Father, with broken hearts and contrite spirits. We thank thee for the plan of salvation and for the redemption of us through the sacrifice and atonement of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ. We ask thee, Father, to forgive us of our sins and our transgressions, that we might have thy spirit to be with us more fully, that we may be able to talk about these principles of plural celestial marriage, and read and be able to be led by the Spirit on things that we should talk about tonight. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee for everything that thou hast done for us, for this world, for the plan of salvation, and all the experiences that we learn from. We say these things and dedicate this time unto thee, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so reading conclusion, part one of chapter 16 of Holy Priesthood, volume four, pages 229 to 247. A principal ordinance, covenant, and law. It has been very interesting and informative to see how many nations have benefited from their acceptance of a plural marriage lifestyle. Several non-Christian nations, such as China and India, and some in the near, near East, such as Arabia, Syria, Persia, and Africa, have on the whole had less... Oh, sorry, one second. Mm-hmm. Fixing my phone. Okay. Had less immorality than the so-called Christian nations who have not accepted such a lifestyle. The Bible records that for thousands of years, prophets, patriarchs, priests, and kings obeyed and lived polygamy. All the tribes of Israel, including the Jews, accepted it. And God chose this polygamous lineage through which Jesus was born. Furthermore, the Savior always spoke respectfully of those prophets and people who lived plural marriage, never saying anything against that principle. There is nothing in the Old or New Testament that enforces the law of monogamous marriages. Neither is there anything opposing plural marriage. We have seen that the only ancient law enforcing monogamy came from a band of robbers who gradually extended it throughout the Roman Empire and influenced other nations and religions, especially the Christians. What a tragic history showing how the Christian nations have repeatedly neglected their surplus women, leaving them with illegitimate children, prostitution, disease, or a life of celibacy. We have read how the freedoms and religious rights of Americans have been crushed by the very government established to guarantee these rights, and also how the American government and the Christian religions have betrayed, corrupted, and violated their most sacred oaths and covenants. We have studied the calamity of Mormonism's plural marriage system and how men in the church struggled, defended, and even died for it. But later, the hierarchy turned to prosecute and excommunicate those who taught or lived. Throughout all this, we have learned why plural marriage 
has been lived and respected and why the Lord has revealed such a principle and commanded it to be lived as a law of the holy priesthood. Let us briefly consider plural marriage in the light of four major classifications. Number one, a principle and doctrine. Number two, an ordinance. Number three, a covenant. And number four, a law. Number one, a principle and doctrine. Population records show that there are always more women than men. Why is this? Well, first, more male babies die than female. Second, men often lose their lives in hazardous occupations. Number three, wars claim the lives of thousands of young men. And number four, men's life expectancy is shorter than women's. And this is not on the list, but also men, um, boys, they, I think the saying is boys will be boys. They do dangerous things like that they just dream up and they, I don't know, it's so strange. <sighs> but, yeah, that's from my point of view. Uh, men or boys, they do the silliest things, and sometimes it uh, gets them hurt. Okay. There are many positive opportunities in plural marriage for this surplus of women. A woman is provided with a chance to marry and to marry any man of her choice. It also provides a better opportunity of marriage for women who might be handicapped, crippled, overweight, homely, or sickly. It gives women who are barren a chance to be in a family with children. It gives women more time and independence to pursue vocations, hobbies, individual studies, etc. It can certainly be considered as a true principle with very positive results, but true principles seem to attract opposition. If plural marriage were a sin, the devil wouldn't oppose it so much. As soon... Wait, if plural marriage were a sin, the devil wouldn't oppose it so much. Yes, sorry. As Joseph Smith said, when wicked and corrupt men oppose, it is a criterion to judge if a man is warring the Christian warfare. That comes from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 259. Plural marriage is meant to be a principle upon which to build a large righteous family. Only the most noble of men should live it for spiritual reasons. The Lord explained why he blessed Abraham, his family, and his children. In Genesis chapter 18, verses 18 through 19, quote, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And, okay, hold on. My phone just shut off. Can you still hear me? Just checking. I think you can. Okay. Yeah, I just had to get to where I could unmute myself. That's okay. Okay, so I was well, in the while you're doing your phone, yeah. while you're doing your I phone, I was just going to say, you know, you say men are more, you know, do more dangerous things, but then there's also the fact, and this is something you well know, that men are more violent. Men have more yeah. violent <laughs> tendencies. Men are more abusive to women than men. So why is it that women have to be relegated to what is left of the population? You know, if they don't get married to a good guy to begin with, they they make a mistake by marrying some guy that's abusive. Why are they relegated to, uh, first of all, not being able to divorce him and find somebody who is not abusive, but but second of all, if there are righteous men who have righteous wives 
and are willing to live the principle. Um, and those those women with that who's already married to that man, if they can testify of the goodness of the man, so that because like so here's my my perspective. My mom married my dad. My dad became a drug addict, got very abusive. She left him when I was three. When I was five years old, she started dating this other guy who was great. Oh, he was not. He pretended. Shortly after they started, uh, the marriage happened, uh, he started becoming abusive. It got worse and worse and worse until when I was 12, I was holding my freaking steak knife wrong at my fork, and he jabbed his steak knife into my arm. Still have the scar to show. He was just a jerk, and he got worse and worse and worse and worse. So then, but he seemed like the greatest guy, you know? Then when I was like 13 or 14, my mom married this other guy named Byron Sessions. I'm going to out him. If anybody knows him, I'll just tell you what happened. So she thought, well, maybe I should start going to church again. So she goes to church, and she gets into the whole thing, and she goes, and I was living with my grandparents at the time, so this is all secondhand information to me. But um, they got married, so he was a drug dealer. He had prescription drugs that he was selling. The whole back of his car was full of prescription drugs. He was doing other things. He's a temple recommend holder. He was abusive really abusive, almost killed one of our dogs because of how bad he was. Mr. Temple recommend holder. You know, these guys, they can fake it and get a woman and then they think that the woman's never going to leave him. You know, with Kim's first husband, he wasn't bad in the beginning, but he did things where if it wasn't for the stupid mistrust that happened, I think it got sentenced to 46 years in prison or something like that. Or what it did, did to my wife? Is that right, Kim? Um, he had four different charges, and it was if he had gotten the maximum for the four, it would have been 60, but then it was a mistrial. So, yeah. Yeah, they were going for sentencing, and then something happened during sentencing. They, yeah, I don't know exactly what happened, but they declared a mistrial. And uh, yeah, on no. a technicality. Yeah, so my wife had to go through this horrible experience testifying in front of a grand jury and all of the trauma that, that goes with just having to relive it because you have to tell and, you know, tell the story. You know, so all yeah. she wants to do is get away from him, which is all she ever wanted to do. You know, get away from him without him killing her because he threatened put guns in, uh, gun in his, her mouth, you know, like, just, it was bad. You know, all she wanted to do was escape. So she agreed, um, they agreed to uh, to go for lesser charges or something. To, so he pled guilty to, um, to lesser charges with the, uh, yeah. with the stipulation that he would be on a GPS monitor they would not be able to leave the county. They would have to be on a sexual predator uh, list 
I don't know what you call those. Anyway, and then there was like all these other things, but he couldn't leave the county to hunt her down. You know, no, so he was internet. on that. Yeah, not a lot of There's a bunch of stuff. Anyway, so she escaped, you know, and Yay. then uh, somebody that she knows that she was best friends with, uh, who's not the brightest bulb in the bucket or whatever, um, mm-hmm. he, he convinced her that Kim was just lying about all those things and, and whatever. And, like, she married him. What he yeah. did to her was worse than what he did to Kim. He's in prison oh, now yeah. because of it. Um, all the things he was doing to me was just a precursor to all the stuff she, he did to her. And, and he was like, yes, to her. be alive. Yeah. Lucky to be alive. He, but, but what? Yeah, like would uh, chain her up to the bed naked uh, and give her a bucket to, to crap in and just, we're not going we don't into have the details. Detail. Yeah, there's a lot of detail, but no, like he, he just was a bad person and I didn't, I tried to warn people, you know, like that he's not good, but it wasn't good enough warning. But yeah, if she, you know, she had her leg amputated when she was 16 because of an accident. She got into a uh, four-wheeler accident. She had traumatic brain injury. So she didn't feel like she was worthy of somebody who was better or normal or anything. And so she accepted this horrible guy. Monster. Monster. Yeah, and if there was polygamy, everything. Yeah. Well, he was all nice, and my whole point is he was all nice and everything and convinced her that Kim was a liar and then uh, to marry him, and then she she had a child by him. Uh, She had two children by him, and he turned into, you know, he could only hide who he was for so long. And that, yeah. there are more men like that than there are, are women who are psycho. And uh, probably, my own personal opinion, women become psycho because of men like that. You know? Oh, don't <laughs> call me psycho. Just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, no, Kim, I didn't call you a psycho, but I'm saying <laughs> that women become psycho. Now, that's not true for all women. Um, yeah. I remember one particular woman who nobody ruined and uh, she became a stalker of mine for uh, going on 15 years now. So there's that. But anyway, um, but I just wanted to bring that up. You know, that's like, if I don't know, just I'll mute myself. I think I made my point. Yeah. Okay. I will keep going. (laughs) Um, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. End quote. That, again, is from Genesis chapter 18, verses 18 through 19. On the other hand, the people who are the most wicked should not be allowed to have any posterity to perpetuate their wickedness. So in many cases, the Lord has caused them to be destroyed. I wish that was true in all cases. (laughs) Um, Also, something I was talking about with Melissa when we were over at the uh, thing this weekend, 
um, she was talking about it like, you know, there are alpha males. There are these men who are great men, and they should be able to have posterity. And these women should be able to have posterity with the alpha male and not have to, you know, go to these second-rate, secondary schmucks of men who have to should be trying harder, really, trying harder to be worthy to have children with these women, you know. And sh- so she was talking about it that way. And I was like, well, that is a very interesting view, but it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. Anyways, um, from uh, Parley P. Is one of our plural friends. Oh, yeah. Um, Parley no, P. Pratt, anyway, Journal of Discourse, Volume 1, oh, sorry, Volume 1, uh, page 259, uh, quote, The Sodomites, Canaanites, etc., receive the reverse of this blessing. Instead of giving them a multiplicity of wives and children, he cut them off, root and branch, and blotted their name from under heaven, that there might be an end of a race so de- degenerate. Now this severity was a mercy. If we were like the people before the flood, full of violence and oppression, or if we, like the Sodomites or Canaanites, were full of all manner of lawlessness, abominations, holding promiscuous intercourse with the other sex, and stooping to a level with the brute creation and predisposing our children by every means in our power to be fully given to strange and unnatural lust, appetites, and passions, would it not be a mercy to cut at us off root and branch and thus put an end to our increase upon the earth? You will all say it would. The spirits in heaven would thank God for preventing them from being born in the world under such circumstances. Would not the spirits in heaven rejoice in the covenant and blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in relation to the multiplying of their seed and in every additional wife which God gave to them as a means of multiplying? Yes, they would, for they could say, now there is an opportunity for us to take bodies in the lineage of a noble race and to be educated in the true science of life and in the commandments of God. Oh, what an unspeakable contrast between being a child of Sodom and a child of Abraham. End quote. Again, that's from Parley P. Pratt, Journal of Discourse, Volume 1, page 259. Now, talking about number two, an ordinance. An ordinance, in this instance, is a religious rite or ceremony. Um, This is New Internal Dictionary, page 889, International. That's what it says. It's abbreviated again. New International Dictionary, page 889. It is usually performed or administered by someone with authority, and in this study is frequently a duty or commandment from God. It denotes an official acceptance like a signature on a document. Thus, when obeyed, it shows a person's acceptance of it. Of it. Ordinances such as baptism or marriage should be obeyed in faith, expecting the fulfillment of the promises connected with it. Joseph Smith spoke very clearly of the importance of God or God's ordinances. All the ordinances and duties that ever have been required by the priesthood under the directions and commandments of the Almighty in any of the dispensations shall all be had in the last dispensation. Without the authority um, is given, the ordinances could not be administered in righteousness. He set the ordinances to be the same forever and ever. All men with have or will have to receive the fullness of the ordinances of his kingdom. And those who will not receive all the ordinances will come short of the fullness of that glory. If they do not lose the whole, 
That comes from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, pages 171, 172, and 168, and 309. Plural marriage is one of these ordinances that cannot be changed. It remains the same forever and ever. Thus, the blessings pertaining to it cannot be received through any other means. Okay, now number three, talking of a covenant. A covenant is a binding and solemn agreement or compact made by two or more individuals, parties, etc., to do or keep from doing a specified thing. That comes from Webster's New World Dictionary, 1984, page 326. The word covenant is often used interchangeably with contract, which has a very similar definition. Um, that this also comes from Webster's New World Dictionary, um, page 308, um, also from Webster's New World Dictionary, 1984, page 308. Quote, the word covenant is often used interchangeably with, or I'm sorry, quote, an agreement between two or more people to do something, especially one formally set forth in writing and enforceable by law, compact, covenant, a formal agreement of marriage or betrothal, end quote. If either party breaks his part of that agreement, then the terms of the contract or covenant are no longer valid, whether the agreement is made between mortals or between man and God. There is a penalty and a loss of blessings for breaking a covenant with the Lord, and the more serious the commitment, the more drastic the penalty. The temple ceremony used to be very explicit on the types of penalties that could be incurred when men or women would break certain covenants. And even though these penalties are no longer explained inside LDS temples today, nevertheless, they are still enforced when warranted. Breaking temple covenants are among the most serious. As the Lord explained in DNC chapter 124 or section 124, uh, verse 47 through 48, quote, And it shall come to pass that if you build a house unto my name and do not do the things that I say, I will not perform the oath which I make unto you. Neither fulfill the promises which ye expect at my hand, saith the Lord. For instead of blessings, ye ye by your own works bring cursings, wrath, indignation, and judgments upon your own heads. By your follies and by all your abominations, which you practice before me, saith the Lord. End quote. A marriage can be, number one, private two, civil, or three, religious contract. But if the marriage covenant is made till death do them part, it ends with the death of either party because it cannot remain enforced when they are dead. And when they are out of the world, therefore they are not bound. That also comes from DNC, uh, section 132, uh, verse 15. Joseph Smith introduced religion. Okay. Okay. Oh, where do I begin? Uh, marriages that are not sealed. Okay, so you know how in the old, or the New Testament it talks about divorce and women who get married to somebody after they've been married to somebody, they've been they're considered adulterers and all of that. Let me talk about that for just a minute. Also, Section 132 talking about you should take virgins as your wife. Okay, if the marriage, the first marriage or whatever marriage after that was not done by the Holy Spirit of promise, there, God doesn't recognize those marriages. 
He only recognizes marriages that are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. So with myself and my wife, his, her first marriage was not uh, done uh, by the sealing of the Holy Spirit of promise. So she is not considered a divorced wife in the eyes of God. She was sealed to me. She's my wife. Um, if somebody is in an abusive relationship and they're in an abusive cult or church that says that they're not allowed to get divorced because they, and I heard this, I've heard this so many times in the LDS church. Oh, you need to stay with them. You know, they might be abusive, but you need to stay with them. No, God doesn't hold you accountable for leaving an abusive psychopath. You know, and, and finding somebody else and being married to them. It's not a sin. Um, the, and the whole thing about virgins. Some of these um, fundamentalist groups and some of the fundamentalist Christian groups, they're like, you can only get married to a woman who's never been with anyone before, uh, which means they have to be a virgin. And if you get married to somebody who has been married, that means you're an adulterer or an adulteress. They, they don't understand. God doesn't look at your civil law with any authority. Civil law doesn't make authority for God. If they haven't been filled by the Holy Spirit of promise to the other individual, he doesn't look at them as being married. And... The other thing about the virgins, and I just felt like I needed to bring it up. If a virgin marries an abusive psychopath and she has to leave him for the safety of herself and her children, she can remarry without any penalties from a church or from God. It is not a sin for her to go and to become sealed to a righteous husband and I don't know why I just kept thinking about that as you were reading and I know that it's, it hasn't gotten into any of that in the reading but it came into my mind and I know I know that I had to talk about it for a minute that if if, uh, if a woman is a divorcee and she's had children and she left the relationship because of an abusive relationship real abuse not, oh, he yelled at me. No. I'm talking about real physical, mental, spiritual abuse. None of this candy. What did Holland say? This cotton candy. I don't remember. Anyway. Um, I don't know. I just, people need to stop judging other people for their life experience. And be loving and forgiving as Jesus was. And uh, I just felt like I had to talk about that for just a minute. I'm going to mute myself. I'm almost into Emory County. So, okay. Okay. All right. Let me continue on. Joseph Smith introduced religious wedding ceremonies into the church and later plural marriages were a part of those covenants which included eternal marriage. 
these were bound with the power that whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That's Matthew 16:19, which was possible through the power of the holy priesthood. Sometimes a type of covenant is made between a man and a woman before they are married, and this is called an agreement. However, going back even further, similar covenants may have been agreed upon even before they were born. This knowledge was revealed to others in addition to the prophet Joseph, such as Emmanuel Sweat. Swedenborg in 1688 to 1772, a Swedish scientist and spiritualist. In 1743, about 100 years before Joseph Smith had his revelation on plural marriage, Swedenborg claimed to have had a very similar revelation. He wrote, um, this comes from De La Touche of the Success, page 333. Quote, Two souls which grew up together before life are bound to find each other again on earth. In heaven, as on earth, there are males and females. Man was made for woman and woman for man. Love must unite them eternally, and there are marriages in heaven. End quote. Several important and valid truths are expressed in Swedenborg's revelation. Number one, men and women existed before they were born on earth. Number two, they made covenants with each other in that pre-mortal world. Number three, they promised to meet each other in this world. And number four, marriage and love can exist forever. More clarifying information was revealed to the early saints, such as Mosiah Hancock, who had a vision of our pre-earth life and was shown the covenants that were made there between men and women. In his vision, he saw there was a surplus of women, spirits, there as well as here in mortality. No females took part against the father and the son, but all took the sides in their favor, except the neutral ones already mentioned. After the tears were dried from our eyes, the voice of the great eternal spoke again and said, Hear, O hear, or hear, O ye, my children. His voice penetrating the immensity of space so that all could hear it. It is decreed by the great eternal that the females shall not follow their males in their banishment, but for every male that has kept his first estate and fought valiantly for the father and the son, there are two females. And the voice of the great eternal said, O my neglected daughters, gather around these my faithful servants who have been faithful in teaching you the principles of righteousness and of our kingdom, that others may come up and have the chance to be glorified. I saw many of them gather around Joseph and form a ring with him and the Savior in the center. They made a covenant with him that they would meet him on the earth and help him establish that great work upon the earth. I saw many of them gather around Brigham Young, John Taylor, Wilford Woodruff, and many other notable ones, and around many who have not become so notable. They formed rings around each of them with Christ in the center each time, for he rehearsed to them the covenant. They would take each other by the hand in the circle and bow their faces down to him in the center and in the most solemn manner agree to meet them here until every one of those neglected daughters was provided for. And they were filled with such joy that their songs made a paradise of the realm. That comes from Mosiah Hancock Journal, pages 72 and 73. Such eternal covenants made between men and women, either in the pre-mortal world or this world, can be fulfilled only through the powers of the Holy Priesthood. And now, number four, a law. There is an eternal struggle between good and evil, good laws and bad ones. Most of the ancient prophets suffered and died by the law. 
Christ also was condemned to death by the law. The Jews answered him, Pilate, or Pilate, Pilate, I think it's Pilate. We have a law, and by our law, he ought to die. John 19:7. The apostles had trouble with laws because some of men's laws were in conflict with the laws of God. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, it says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. End quote. Benefits we receive are generally predicted on obedience to correct law. Disobedience to such laws means a loss, rejection, or denial of those benefits or blessings. We have shown that God sustains the law of plural marriage, but usually man's laws have opposed it. The men who make those laws against plural marriage are really inconsistent. They oppose plural marriage, but do little or nothing about men who have sex with many women outside of marriage. In fact, most of them support such immoral practices. Plural marriage is an eternal law of the priesthood, but becomes a law of the church only when accepted as such. Such eternal laws of God have always existed and always will. God himself achieved his position because of obedience to eternal laws. Like the laws of mathematics, chemistry, gravity, science, or any truth, they last forever. Circumstances, time, or our relationship to them do not change the laws themselves. themselves. As B.H. Roberts clearly explains in Defense of the Faith and the Saints, Roberts, Volume 2, page 518, quote, Suppose a law is promulgated before the Latter-day Saints. A revealed principle of truth is, sub- is submitted for their acceptance. And then, in the exercise of that liberty, which God has conferred upon his church, they reject it. The question is then asked, what remains? Why the truth remains? The action of the church has not affected that in the least. It is just as true as if the church had accepted it. Our acceptance or rejection does not make or mar the truth. It simply determines our own relationship to that truth. If we reject the truth, the truth still remains. Human conduct does not affect the truth. End quote. All laws, man's or God's, should be investigated, studied, and tested. One of the ways to do this is to observe their results and fruits. Jesus said, every good three, or I'm sorry, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. That comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. Monogamy itself is not wrong, but a law that forces monogamy on society is an evil law because it produces evil results. If a tree can be judged by its fruit, then so can laws. For by their fruits ye shall know them. Also comes from Matthew 7, Verse 20. The people of Israel have always been a polygamous people. While the pagan Romans, Greeks, and apostate Christians have enforced laws of monogamy, look what monogamy has done. Why, in every generation, a large percentage of our sisters has been consigned either to that nameless condition of which it is a shame to speak or to have or have died without ever knowing the joys of maternity. That comes from George Q. Cannon, Journal of Discourse, Volume 20, page 198. The law of monogamy originates from the great deceiver and celibacy, whoredom, and divorce are usually the consequences. It is so in America. 
it was recently reported that by 1988, 51.5% of female teenagers ages 15 to 19 said that they had engaged in premarital sex. That comes from the Salt Lake Tribune, January 15, 1991. And the percentage is even higher among the boys. The Apostle Paul said that in the latter days, men would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Today, immorality is popular. Casual sex is taught in our schools. Sorry, venereal disease has reached plague proportions. Prostitution exists everywhere. Immorality is a common part of movies, magazines, advertisings, and our social life. And these are just a few of the real immoralities promoted by the people who have made or supported laws against plural marriage because they think it's wrong. Destructions and cleansing. The evidence is clear that for many years we have lived in Babylon, but the day will come when it will be said, Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen. Revelation chapter 18, verse 2. The Lord will have to destroy all its wickedness and prepare for the reestablishment of his kingdom on the earth. Why does the earth need to suffer wars and destructions? It is a cleansing process. Since man has failed to honor the laws of God, they will reap their punishments. God gave the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. But society and government now encourage small families and promote birth control and contraceptives, even in public schools. God forbids whoredom, prostitution, and adultery, making laws to burn or stone the guilty parties to death. See Leviticus chapter 21, verse 9, Numbers chapter 5, verse 22, Genesis chapter 38, verse 4. But these sins and countless more rage in every city in our nation. God established laws against homosexuals, saying, If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. That's Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. But instead, our government, oh, somebody didn't like that. My phone just reset. Uh, I'll say something about that real quick. Um, okay, got to find that is for, that is, that, Those laws are not for the Gentiles. The Gentiles can do Gentile things. They don't have to be part of the house of Israel or the restoration. They don't belong in the house of the restoration. Um, So there's that being said. And then also in the book of Lehi, we find out that in the school of the prophets, they kept the original Torah, the original law of God. And Josiah, King Josiah, with his high priest, they went and found the, the law of the Lord hidden in a place in the temple. And before they released it to the people, they convened a council and added added many vain and foolish laws to the Torah, which were not originally in the Torah. Now, King Josiah was 21 years old when he died. This all happened before he died. So this teenager added many vain and foolish immature laws to the Torah, which are not part of the Torah. And I didn't know this. 
but in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse verse 1 through 8, somewhere in that first part of Jeremiah. I can hear Arius, by the way. Sorry. Um, anyway, he said, uh, he talked about the lying, like, why do you bring, uh, why do you, uh, you know, talk about the law of God? Have not your scribes written vain and foolish lies? Uh, in God's law or something to that effect So Jeremiah Which in the book of Lehi Jeremiah talks about these things too It's not just Lehi that's talking about these things But um, You know there was a lot of things in the Torah That are not God's law The thing that God gave to, to Moses or Moshe huh, Not even Like not even as complicated As all the 613 laws That Josiah Had which was one of the reasons why God destroyed Jerusalem and let Babylon take um, take uh, Jerusalem captive because they wouldn't worship God on the correct Sabbath and they were changing the laws right in the book. So anyway, Kim, I think we're going to be done with it for tonight. We can read uh, again tomorrow. Uh, what page? Okay, are you on? sorry for my tardiness. 240. Oh, so you got... It's three, like in the middle of a... Yeah, but it's kind okay. of like in the middle. And then it's right after it talks about the um, uh, government um, promoting, like, they make laws to uh, support um, homosexuality. So, yeah. It's like yeah, right we'll there. Yeah, we'll talk about all of that tomorrow, so... Um, and I'm going to let God judge the, the homosexuals because uh, people are people are in the situations they're in because of things that have happened to them in the past. And uh, I've walked plenty among bisexuals and homosexuals and understand some of the stories that they have told me. So anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. I'll call you as soon as I come down from the mountain. I got to go up and deliver this to Huntington. And then I have to go up okay. to Rhino and grab a, a load for the Kingstons and head down to their coal terminal. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Kim, for reading. And we'll be back on tomorrow about 8 o'clock with Part 2 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 16. Take care, everyone. Okay. God bless and goodbye. Go ahead and mute yourself, Kim. Mm-hmm.